0: Let's pray. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that um, every time we gather together, in fact, every day we can celebrate you, the risen one, not just at Easter and Easter Sunday on Resurrection Sunday, but the joy is that you are alive and the tomb is empty. Jesus is alive. And we thank you for that declaration of faith. You're the holy, anointed and risen one. Alive today, Here by the power of the person of the Holy Spirit, whom you said that you wouldn't leave us to be alone, but he would come and live with us and in us. And we want to say thank you this morning that you are indeed alive today around us, in us, and amongst us. And so we pray that you will have your way. Receive this offering that we bring before you for your work. And may you bless it to those things that you desire to see achieved in and through us and through our church. Thank you for the hearts and lives that give freely this morning of their lives. And may this uh, material offering bless the work and increase the work that we seek to reach the kingdom and spread the kingdom in this, in this area and around us in Long Eaton. In Jesus' your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Wonderful. So if you'd like to turn in your Bible to Luke's Gospel just for a moment or two. We're, we're taking the theme of the power of persistent prayer this morning and uh, we're continuing in Luke looking at this idea of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ and so some of the sort of main points or headings are going to come up on screen just to help you see where we're going along the way but uh, you'll need your bible with you because um, we'll be following together so Luke 18 verses 1 to 8 just going to read that for a moment or two reading from the NIV and it reads like this Verse 1 then, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared that what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And then the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says, and will not God bring about justice for those, for his chosen ones Who cry out to him day and night. Will he keep putting them off? I tell you. He will see that they get justice. And quickly. However. When the son of man comes. Will he find faith. On the earth. When the son of man comes. Will he find faith. On the earth. So. We're going to look at this uh, story together and uh, unpack it a little bit. And the way I'm going to do that is a little bit different from somehow how I sometimes do it. We're just going to take out key phrases and some key verses along the way. Uh, That's maybe you might want to just keep your Bible nearby you. So, what Jesus is basically saying when he shares this story, if you've got the NIV, it says it's the parable of the persistent widow. Uh, That wasn't in the original translation, but it gives you an idea of what this section is about and the translators have put that there and it gives you an idea of that but what jesus is trying to share with his disciples is, is an is an understanding of developing a natural attitude of prayer a bit of a mouthful but that's exactly what he was doing when he told this story his aim for the disciples was this is how you need to develop a, a, an attitude of a of of prayer prayer is a lifestyle Not not to say that you need hours and hours and hours and hours of prayer every day, but that it just comes naturally, like breathing, eating, speaking to one another, that this is something that becomes natural to you. And that's what we're going to look at in the next few moments together. So we see, first of all there, it says that Jesus told his disciples. It's in verse 1. And... um, crowds gathered around Jesus. There was lots of people crowding around him, but he turned to his disciples. Now, a disciple, we're understanding, this is why we're looking at Luke, this idea of following Jesus. A disciple is a footstep follower. Um, Anyone that would consider themselves a follower of Jesus, a footstep follower, is a disciple. Um, A little later on in life, um, those disciples in the book of Acts, those early Christians, were called people of the way. Later on, they were termed Christ ones or Christians because they followed, they acted and looked like Jesus and they had an attitude and a lifestyle of Jesus. So when Jesus turned to his disciples on that day, this idea of a disciple, that's just like you and me. We are to be disciples of Jesus Christ. If you were to consider yourself or call yourself a Christian, and this is what we're looking at together, is how can I be a disciple. How can I function as a disciple? So if you call yourself a Christian, that's what we are. We are to be disciples or footstep followers of Jesus. It's not so much about coming to church, although that's good at being together. And it's not so much about reading the Bible, and that's fantastic to read the Bible. It's not so much about even praying. And praying is good. This is all good. But the priority for us, and all these things are good, and they will help us do what? Achieve one thing, and that is to follow Jesus Christ, follow the person of Jesus. And so when Jesus turned to the disciples, it's as if he's like turning to you and I today. It's not just the 12, not just those super duper special anointed super Christians, but all of us are classed as his disciples here on the earth. And so it's as if Jesus is like turning to us now this morning and saying to his disciples, you and me, this is what I want to say to you. So he turns to his disciples and then says what? Well he encourages them to always pray. What does that mean? Always pray. Says there then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Always pray. What does that mean to always pray? You mean pray for hours every day? I think it was Martin Luther the great reformer would say that he had to spend 3 hours every day before he got up because the day was so busy. But is Jesus saying that, that we have to spend hours and hours and hours of prayer every day? The actual translation of that word to always pray um, literally means to have exactly what I said earlier on, and you'll see it in the main heading there, uh, an attitude, a natural attitude of prayer. In other words, a natural attitude of conversation, because prayer is Referring to speaking to God. Prayer is helping our relationship with God. And so when he says always, the translation literally means to have a natural attitude to pray. Just as we speak to people, you can't spend a day without speaking to someone, unless you decide to live on your own somewhere in solitude out in the middle of nowhere. It, it, there's this understanding that to pray is to have an attitude to talk. And so there is always this opportunity to be able to speak to God. I remember when I first became a Christian in the Brethren Assembly where I was first converted, a family discipled me and took me under their wing. I didn't realise that, but they befriended me and they helped me and encouraged me. And in those days, um, they had a young family and the mum of that family um, was a worship. A, person, a leader in that, in that church and would um, wash up and be speaking to God, hoovering and talking to God. And that was their, it was natural. It was just, they prayed. But they didn't spend hours and hours in a room on their own, but they would go about life. And there's this understanding, of a natural attitude of prayer, of conversation with God. In other words, Jesus was basically saying this, we should always pray. Not, um, prayer is not a last resort, but a first thought. That's what he was getting at. When he said you should always pray, he's basically taking, look, looking at an attitude where prayer is not our last resort, but a first thought. In other words, oh my word, I don't know what to do in life, everything's gone wrong. I've tried everything, I've spent everything, I've talked to everybody, I've got all the advice, I'd better pray now. Jesus isn't saying that. He's saying always. In other words, have it as a first thought. I've got to make a decision. What should I do, God? How are you gonna help me, Lord? And this is what Jesus is getting at, that it should be our first port of call. He's not wanting to put any of us under a condemnation. He didn't want to put the disciples under a condemnation. You should be praying more. He was basically saying, make it just a first thought. It's the first thing that comes to our hearts. Now that comes with practice. That comes with time. But this is what he's saying to his disciples. As he turned to them, he said, make it a first thought. Don't leave it to the last minute. This is our life. Always should pray. Because prayer is communication. It's talking. You know, we talk about being Christians. It's not a religion. One of the worst things I have to do if I do a a resume for somebody or a reference or something or or sign a passport, I have to sign it, Minister of Religion. I want to put Minister of Relationship with God. But it won't quite work out that way at the passport office. They'll send it back to you or to me or whatever it is. So I have to put down minister of religion. But it's really relationship, isn't it? We all nod our heads and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Christianity is a relationship with God. So what Jesus says is, then talk to him. He says, talk to me. Talk to me. And so always, this idea is, so prayer is a way, the means, the means, not a means, is the means of conducting our relationship with God, with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit. We talk, we listen, we act. Just as you relate to those around you, the people that you love, the people that you don't love, you talk, you listen, and then we act. And there's the cycle of life, the cycle of relationship. But as soon as we talk in church life about pray, we go, another thing I've got to do. I mean, if you said that to your husband or to your wife, you need to talk to each other. It's just another thing I've got to do. <laughs> or your boss at work or what. So, but this is what Jesus is basically saying to his friends. So it shouldn't be a burden on us. Hence, I don't say to people in our church, you could come to the prayer meetings more. I'd love more people to be at prayer meetings. But hey, it's up to you. Because if you want to conduct your relationship with Jesus, we talk with him and he talks. But the beautiful thing is he talks to us and we can listen to him and he listens to us and we conduct a relationship of love and we feel loved by him. And we'll develop that a bit later. Okay, so he says pray and not give up. Do you notice that there? He says you should, he turned to his disciples, he says you pray always and not give up. The word not give up means to faint, don't faint. Life can be tough, the stresses and strains, the decisions, the pulls, and uh, it can be great as well and a great joy, but you could probably say to me, hey, tell me about it, Adrian, There's a lot in my life at the moment that you don't have a clue on and I feel like giving up right now. And Jesus was speaking to people about life because Jesus knows about our lives. Jesus knows what it is to have stress. He he was a fully man and fully God. And so when he turned to his disciples, he wasn't just saying, you should pray more. He was basically saying, hey, talk to God. Let him talk with you because if you don't, you'll faint. Um says, don't give up. I mean, with the stresses and strains and the pulls of life, we can feel like at times you just want to give up. Have you ever felt like you just wanted to give up? You know, give up on church. Some people say, I want to give up on church. Some people say, I'm going to give up on God. Some Christians, because they feel so bruised and broken. Maybe you've had a circumstance, give up on a relationship. Maybe give up that job at work because it's just becoming too much. Maybe you give up on life. I don't know where you may be at this morning, but we all feel like it at times. It's human nature. And what Jesus was saying is, that, you know, you can feel like this. Interesting. The Amplified Version of the Bible, translate and not give up like this. Let me just set, show you this. It's amazing. If you read the Amplified Version of the Bible, which is a translation of the full Greek text, and it gives you every sort of nuance of the translation and chucks it all in there. And this is what it says. On where it says, don't give up, it says... Don't turn coward. Faint. Lose heart. Give up. The idea of turning coward there is this idea of being fearful. So you run. So we're fearful. So we run. You know, prayer combats stress. In other words, it's good for your health. It's good for our health. Physically. Mentally. Emotionally but primarily spiritually as a relationship with God. But it's good for your health. Lots of studies and surveys have been done uh, of... um, Particularly, uh, a number of studies have been done uh, um, in coronary care. And studies on prayer, whether it's prayer to the Christian God or, or any God. But people that have faith and pray. And they found that people that have faith and pray as opposed to people that have no faith and don't pray, they've, they've found a number of studies that say it, it, it improves your blood pressure. Less stress, your blood pressure comes down. Because there's, there's a thought that, that this isn't out of control. There's someone there to help me. Higher, a higher, greater, good than me. God will help. It's really interesting. You, I mean, there's lots of different studies and you can argue against and for. But what, what basically, in life, Jesus said you'll you, you get pulled apart. You'll give up, you run, you'll be stressed, your blood pressure, your heart. I sat down, I met my brothers recently and they're they're all in their um, early 40s and and, um, mid 40s and I'm the oldest one of them all and uh, all of them talking about, how about this, what a pity party it was, our blood pressure. (laughs) (laughs) I hadn't met up for a long time, we all sat there, talked about our blood pressure But sometimes stress can do all sorts of things to us. So Jesus says, you know, faint not. I'm not saying that you pray just so you feel healthy. But that is a benefit. It's an incredible benefit. But we pray because we want to relate to God. We want to speak to God, hear God, and, and, and develop our relationship with God and grow in God. That's the primary purpose. But this is what he's saying. And so that you do not give up. Because I tell you, if you make prayer as your last resort... It will be bad for your health, spiritually, relationship with God, and in our bodies. Now, I'm not saying if you're unhealthy today, you're probably not praying. I am not saying that, and some people will think that, but I'm not saying that, so that's for the record. There you go. But what I am saying is that prayer, speaking to God, our Father, the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and hearing him is amazing. It's beautiful. It's incredible because he is greater. He can do more than we can ask or imagine. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Now, I don't feel like that on some days when I get up and um, the nurse has told me that your blood pressure is this and you need to do this, this, and this. And I feel greater than me. I don't feel like, but it's a fact. And I believe and I trust that Jesus is greater in my heart and life than he that's in the world. And as I trust him and speak to him, he speaks to my heart also. Do you know, um, Billy Graham said this about the power of prayer, and the need for prayer. Billy Graham, amazing man, um, spoken to presidents and kings and rulers of countries, probably one of the most influential men on the planet, uh, great man of God. He said this, to get nations back on their feet, we must first get down on our knees. Amazing. What an amazing statement on prayer. Corrie Ten Boom, the lady that wrote The Hiding Place. It's a book about how she hid Uh, Jewish uh, believers uh, from the Nazis and herself went through a concentration camp with her sister. Amazing story. An amazing woman of faith, a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what she said about worry. Any concern too small to be turned into prayer is too small to be turned into a burden. If you think anything's too small, I can't, I won't pray about that. Well then don't let it become a burden. Any concern small to be turned into prayer is too small to be turned into a burden. Prayer is good for our hearts, our spirits, and our health. That's why Jesus said to the disciples, always pray. So, the importance of prayer, as I said earlier, is this. it, It improves our relationship. It's the main chief means of communication with the person, the person of God. This is why it's good for your health, folks. It's not just because it's psychological good. And all the surveys in, in, uh, in, in uh, hospital surveys and medical surveys talk about psychological good and emotional good. And there's a degree of truth in that. But this is the main reason why prayer is good for our health when we worship and follow God our Father. It's communication with the person, the person of God. Just as you communicate with the person beside you, next to you, behind you, your husband or your wife or a friend, or your family, you talk, you listen, you hear, you love, you grow, you get linked to a person beside you. When we pray, we're praying with the person of God himself. We're talking to God. It's a means of communicating. And therefore, if we communicate with God, we'll know his presence. He'll turn up. He's he's a living God. How about that? Isn't that great? Isn't that cool? Isn't that incredible to be able to talk to God? People think you might be a bit with the fairies. You say, I can talk to God. But it, you do. And the, and, but he talks back. God will speak to your heart by the person of the Spirit, through the Word of God, by the Holy Spirit, in revelation, in wisdom and understanding. He speaks back. That's even great news, greater news. You don't just leave a list with God, but he talks back into your heart and says, I love you. I won't leave you. Don't worry about that. I'm standing with you. I'm right here right now. You're sick. My son was sick. He was healed too. I can heal you. God talks back. That's the most incredible thing. Not only that he hears me, but he will talk to me. He'll talk to your heart. And this is what Jesus was getting at. So we'll know his presence. Uh, He'll speak to us. We'll speak to him. We act upon it. We get a different perspective. We get God's view on life. You know, my view is down here amongst, you know, have you heard the saying, I can't see the wood from the trees? You know that saying, I can't see the wood from the trees? It's all too much. That's when I get stressed. I get overloaded. I said to some people recently, do you know, my mind is so full of stuff at the moment, it's going to burst. I can't see the wood from the trees. But we get, when we speak to God and God speaks into our hearts, we see a perspective of life that's seen from the perspective of God. That's why it says we will rise up with on eagle's wings. I've never been in a hot air balloon. I'm to- I probably wouldn't ever go in one because I'm too f- I won't even go on a stepladder. That's how scared of heights I am. So to get me in a hot air balloon would be a miracle. But I'm told by people that do, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's ju- and it says, that amazing to get God's view on life. Just standing here on the ground, but I see that God's in this when you can't see God in this, I can't see, that's when it rips me apart. So you hear people that say, I don't know why, I don't know how, but for some reason, I'm just not worried about this. Not because it's not gone, but I just think God's here with me. God's perspective. That's not mumbo-jumbo, that's not magic. That's the presence of God in our hearts and lives. When we know his presence, we'll know his perspective. When we have his perspective in his presence, we'll know his peace. My heart will be stilled. That's when your blood pressure starts coming down. (laughs) My heart. I'm going to speak about the heart tonight because it's such a big thing. I was talking about it with my brothers and uh, the heart, the spirit, the heart. And I'm going to talk a bit about that later today. But we'll also know his power. You know, we serve a living God who is all-powerful. He can make something out of nothing. If you think and I think that I'm doomed. This is the end. He made the universe when there was nothing. You know, scientists are looking, for, you know, uh, what's behind the Big Bang. They can say, we've, we've now discovered the Big Bang. But what caused that? They can't tell us that. They can't tell us that. They look at dark matter and, and something from nothing. And they develop equations to explain something from nothing. But they can't. They can't. God makes something from Nothing. So think of the nothingness in your life and my life, the worry, this concern that I have, where well, I can't see a way ahead. If the creator of the universe could do all things, that little itty-bitty thing that's a bit of dust in my life, that little problem, which is massive for me, to him is a bit of dust, that he could do something. It's the power of God. So we know his presence, his peace, his uh, power, and his perspective. Moving on then. So that's how it's good for us. This relationship with God. And when we pray, when we talk, when we hear God, it's good. And this is what Jesus was wanting to share. And he began to model with his life with his disciples. So this is a a story of contrast. Jesus isn't comparing the widow and this judge with God If you look at this story, you you see an evil judge. And then Jesus says, and and so God will give you even more. He, he, He isn't comparing God, the Father, with this evil judge. He's contrasting them. And the life of the widow and the life of this judge, he uses as a picture to show a contrast of how much more. If this judge, who is a man who didn't believe in God and couldn't care less about people, eventually gave what this lady needed as she persisted, kept coming back. Your father loves you so much, you're his creation. He'll give you much, much more. It's a contrast, not a comparison. You need to just be aware of that uh, uh, in the back of your mind. And so this idea of the widow then, moving on quickly, in in the East, let me me just, just share this with you. For the people of that day, this was an amazing story because... In the East, in the culture of the East at that time, and forgive me, ladies, I say this every time, but if you were a woman, you had basically no rights. You, you were in the background. You had absolutely no rights, no say, no power. The only way you did have a say is if you had a husband. That's the only way you would have any form of say in life. You had a husband. So this widow, so interesting, Luke often speaks about widows. This is really Interesting. He seemed to home in on these stories. And so the idea of this lady was a widow has a number of things. Everything was stacked against this lady. If you think life isn't going your way, listen to this. And this is an amazing story. This was, this. was She was a woman, so that was against her straight away. Had no say in the East. She was a widow, had no husband, no one to stand for her. You know, in India, if you are a widow and you have no... You're left to rot on the street near enough if your family won't look after you. And so therefore, if she didn't have a husband, she had no money. There was no income. So she had everything against her. Now this would be important because the man who was a judge, the judge there says he didn't respect God or or, nor people. So he probably wasn't a Jew, therefore. He was probably a Gentile, an employee of the Romans. Now that's important and interesting because in the East, you could go to your elder you know, the believing elder of the tribe, and you could get justice. Uh, There were other forms of justice. Uh, You could go to a local judge who was employed by the Romans of the day, and these judges, they were a law unto themselves, because this guy didn't believe in God, didn't believe in people. He was employed by the Romans, and basically it was a good earner. They didn't just give judgment on the law, they sort of put the law to the side and they interpreted it as they felt. So if you gave them a backhand, if you gave them some money, you could get a good judgment, in other words. Now Jesus talks about this in the story. He doesn't say it overtly, but the fact that he didn't believe in God and couldn't care less about people. has a, Most you know, Bible commentators would say at the time that this judge was probably an employee of the Romans. One of these typical judges that whereby you needed money. You needed power. You needed to have a say. Now, come back to the lady, the widow. She had no money. She had no say. There was no one to plead her case. So, this was near enough an impossible story. This was an impossible story. To get justice would have been not, so. The judge just didn't listen to her in the story. Didn't listen. Didn't listen. did not listen. What makes him listen? The woman's persistent in desire for justice, and. Um, So then when we come to what Jesus says at the end of this story, he says, you know, how much more, if this unbelieving judge will give to the persistent woman, how much more, when you are persistent in your heart, in prayer, in talking and listening to God, will your Father give you more? It's not a comparison, it's a contrast. How good is our God? We've been singing to him all the morning about how great God is. He is indeed great compared to the world. And so we understand that God is a Father who loves to give us good gifts. Matthew 7, verse 11. Matthew 7, verse 11, we read, God is our Father and he loves to give us good gifts. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus said, pray our Father in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. So God desires and knows our cares every step of the way, every single day. So we see there, he truly, truly does love us. And that's the comparison of the story. So he wants to encourage us then um, to have a sense of faith, to persist in our faith in continuing to speak to God and listen to God. That's with a place of prayer. Particularly when we don't get our answers. So Jesus says, will the Father find his disciples faithful?" When the Son returns. It's at the end of at verse 8 there. It says, Will the Father, I'm putting it in my words, find the disciples faithful when the, when, when the Son returns? And the idea there is that when it takes time, you're asking for something, you're talking about something, and it seems to be taking a long time because the, the Jews would wait for a long time for the Messiah. When's it going to happen? When's it going to happen? The early church we're still waiting for the return of Jesus, you know. The son says, I shall return for you. When's it going to happen? So he wants us to continue to have faith and not give up when we see things that don't happen. That's basically what he's saying. He's he's saying to the disciples, I'm I'm letting you know now, there's going to be challenging times in your lives. There'll be times when you pray about things and you don't see it happen. Something will happen in your job. Something will happen in your health. Something will happen in church life. And you won't get the answers, but don't give up. It's not because God doesn't care. He's a good father. And this is what Jesus, so he says, will the father find his disciples faithful? So I want to conclude with this in the next few minutes. Um, so how can we then develop an attitude, of a prayerful attitude of life? This is how, three things. Three quick things of how you and I could develop a prayerful attitude attitude a persistent prayerful attitude before God so that we can hear him speak to him know him and be strengthened in our heart in him and there are up on the screen there before you three simple things it's not a definitive statement but this is three simple things so I think firstly I would encourage everyone to find your own daily reading plan and if that sounds like a big arduous task for you you know, out there, I've say, I say this a lot, but out there there's a lot of free reading plans. Um, particularly if you've got access to a computer or a, 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 um, a tablet, um, a smartphone. You know, you go, go to the U version. I, I tend to use the U version, and uh, you can have every plan, every reading plan out there that's absolutely free that will help you. And you can just read a little. I, I have this idea of, you know, a little and often. Rather than a massive meal once or twice a year, um, little or not, so daily. This idea, Jesus said, "Pick up your cross daily, come and follow me." It's a daily thing, and so um, I would encourage um, everyone and anyone. And um, because why? This roots is intentional. And um, if you form an intentional desire, an intentional plan, you find that with the intention, your desire begins to follow the intention. At first, you might find it hard, and you might think, "Hang on, I've got to do this." But I found that as I continue, my desire begins to move with my intention. That's how habits. You know, if it's um, eating too much, stick it off your pudding, and you, but you you like it. You, you know, you, and you start. And so you form this habit. Habits become your desires, go with your habits. So, hey, why not form a good habit, a good desire, and little and often, and the Word of God. So I say this because you're linking in your heart. If, if communication, relationship is about communication, and God has communicated through it to us through the Word of God, the New Testament. If you don't read anything, read at least the New Testament. And God's chief form of communication is in the pages of the New Testament, it's the written word of God. Jesus is the living word. And so um, a desire, little and often, you'll find that your heart begins to change. Your mind begins to change. You begin to feel the heartbeat of God. Don't wait. Start today. Don't wait for the new year. Start today. Start now. If you don't, and don't kick yourself. And don't beat yourself up if you miss a day. You can always catch up. But I think there's something powerful in intention. Secondly, A simple little thing. And you can do that for free, near enough. And uh, obviously it costs you a little bit of time. 10 or 15 minutes a day. But hey, what's 15 minutes a day if it's communicating with God? If it's communicating with God. It's going to change your life. It's going to cause you to be revived. Don't wait for the revival. Make a decision to enter and jump in right now. And secondly, the thing I would say is that as you... you, I, I link it to reading is pray. Reflective prayer. So as I read... I, 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 pr- I pray there and then, I, a, minute, a few minutes, and say, God, what's this? I respond to what you're saying to me. I respond to what you're saying to me. I was reading something the other day, and it, and it was basically saying this. Um, because you're entrusted with much, much will be asked from you. I'm going through the New Testament at the moment. And I, I stopped for a moment. Uh, I made that, I highlighted it, clicked on it and highlighted it in blue. Whatever colour you like, you can choose any colour these days. And, uh, and then I thought about it. What are you saying to me, Lord, about what you've entrusted with my life? And I began to pray, just for those few, few moments. You've entrusted much. What have you entrusted to me in church life, in my life, and family, and home? And I began to ask God to help me, strengthen me. And reflective prayer—it's called a reflective prayer. You do not have to have about four hours. Or, well, if you want to do four hours, you've got four, then fine, do that. But I'm just saying it's So read. And reflective prayer. And then, and then, so that's you doing that. And that is amazing. In You know, 15 minutes a day. You, think you will transform. I'm telling you now, your life will be transformed. And this is what Jesus said to his disciples. And then finally, third thing I'd say this, is join with some others. Find some others. Get some other people to join with you and agree as you pray together. Jesus said this in Matthew 18, verses 19 to 20. Again, I say to you, that if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be granted them by my Father. For where two or three have gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. In other words, it's the power of agreement. Matthew 18 verses 19 to 20. Join with some, get some other people to agree with you, not take your side, but agree in prayers. So in other words, I've got a difficulty. I'm worried about this. You've shared, you've prayed this yourself. But don't be on your own. Get some others. It's the power of agreement. Jesus said, when you get with two or three, it's really powerful. Finish with this. Charles Finney, a great revivalist preacher from the United States of America, in the sort of 1790s-ish, round about then, he said this, nothing tends more to cement the hearts of Christians than praying together. This was his observation. He started what they call concerts of prayer Tens of thousands of people would get together to pray in America. And they saw these great revivals. He said, nothing tends to cement the hearts of Christians than anything, more than anything than praying together. Never do they love one another so well as when they witness the outpouring of each other's hearts in prayer. In other words, get with some other people. Get with some other people and ask them to pray with you and for you. So, to pray is to be healthy. To pray is to be healthy, spiritually healthy with God in our relationship, healthy in our lives, to know the power of God in our very hearts. Let's follow Jesus, shall we? Let's follow Jesus. Don't follow anything, anything or anyone else. I would say don't follow anyone else, no matter what you're hearing, anyone else telling you. And I would say that if it's even in the Christian world, don't trust any other teaching don't trust any other person than Jesus Christ and let's desire to follow him as we seek to speak to him and he speak to our hearts in prayer. Bless you. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, this morning we give you our hearts, we give you our lives, we say that we love you. We honor you, we worship you. You are incredibly wonderful. Lord Jesus, You know our hearts, and you know our struggles, and you know the challenges that we are facing here. As I look out upon this great group of people this morning, I just see, Lord Jesus, you you love them so very much. Uh, I can only do so much, but you can do all things. So as we reach out to you in prayer, we pray, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. Holy Spirit, would you so empower me, refresh me, restore me, strengthen me, Inspire me, fill me afresh. I pray, Father, that as people reach out to you in their own personal reading of the Word of God, as they seek you and begin to speak to you, that you will jump out the page of the Bible to them, that you'll come alive to them in prayer, that you'll answer their prayers, that their, their hearts will beat and warm, be warmed by your Spirit, that reviving, um, your reviving Spirit will come and stir us up and stir our hearts. We love you. We worship you. We honour you. Now would you burn in our hearts all the more as we desire to seek your face, to speak with you. May it become as natural as that, as natural as talking to each other, as talking to our Father, as talking to you, Jesus, as talking to you, Holy Spirit, we pray. In your name and your mighty name we ask Jesus. Amen.